So this week on Mark My Words, I have an incredibly inspiring guest. It's actually somebody I frankly have only known for about a week. He emailed me on my favorite social media platform, LinkedIn, and so he wanted to be on my show. And just me being me, I'm like, whoa, you know, that's just coming out of nowhere. But uh, I checked him out, and uh, we talked a little bit, and I love his story. He is a podcaster, and actually I'll start with his main job which is a motivational coach, and his company is, oh my gosh, a call to action, and uh, I'm already referring to my phone like I told you earlier. I don't normally, I usually have this stuff on the top of my head, but Paul Fortune, which is not actually spelled like the normal fortune, spelled differently, and uh this is Paul Fortune. His main uh, task at this point is a motivational coach at a call to action. And he has an incredible story. He's also just started out a podcast. And uh, we're going to talk all about that today. So without further ado, I'll stop rambling. And uh, this is Paul Fortune. Welcome to Mark My Words. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, I got to tell you, one of the main reasons why I wanted to reach out to you, I love the title of your podcast, Mark My Words. It's play on words. Your name's Mark. Mark My Words. I love it. It, it really came together. So I'm like, I got to hit this guy up. I want to see if I can get on his podcast. And sure enough, we had a great conversation the other day. We, we meshed well. And uh, here we are doing a podcast together. So I'm excited to be here. Well, everybody seems to love the name of this podcast. And I've mentioned it on a few episodes. It wasn't my idea. I wish I had come up with it, but I, I guess I wasn't quite that clever, but I took the idea and ran with it. And uh, for me to have somebody email me and say, I want to be on your show was like, wow, that was very flattering. And especially once I learned a little bit about you, I'm like, wow, this guy has his own company and you know he's really serious about what he's doing he's not like a knucklehead or anything he's really serious and well i appreciate uh, it i'm not a knucklehead that's a good compliment i'll take that no knucklehead here <laughs> yeah no you're you're definitely more than just not a knucklehead i want to put that out there but uh you know how it goes you get emails from people like i just got an email about an hour or so ago from somebody pitching me a podcasting product, and I'm like, I don't even know who you are. They somehow, I guess they saw my posts on LinkedIn today, and they were like, oh, you know, great name for a podcast, and you know, everybody loves the name of this podcast, and uh, very flattered that you reached out. I mean, it's great. But, yeah, we'll get used to it. The more success you're going to get, the more people are going to reach out to you about being a guest or a product because they're going to be looking at your, your, your numbers on how many times uh, people played your podcast, and they're going to be like, oh, man, you know, I'm going to get some exposure if I go and mark my words. So keep doing what you're doing. Keep doing all the podcasts, and, and more and more people will start playing your podcast, and it will just start taking off. So, you know, this is going to be a great thing for you. 
Well, I really appreciate that. And much like you, I have a certain purpose and, you know, kind of an underlying goal or set of goals with what I'm doing. And I know that you have goals with what you're doing. And basically, you, whether you knew it or not, you fit into one of uh, the topics that I really wanted to explore on this podcast, which is basically career transition. And you have like a pretty special story and uh, I actually don't know a whole lot of your story. I kind of saved that for uh, today and to give us talking points. As I voiced last week, I like to save my material. I'm talking like a comedian. Save, yeah. save our material. Keep the spontaneity, right, for yeah. the podcast. Save our material for the show. Yeah. And, uh, let's start out with uh, basically so... Let's talk about your story. Okay. What, why exactly did you become a motivational coach? And then we'll talk a little bit about your actual career transition and how you got there. But uh, okay. probably okay. for people to know how this came about in the first place. Like, why did you choose to become a motivational coach? Okay, so my story starts off uh, right, right at birth, okay? Uh, as an infant, I was diagnosed with something called cerebral palsy. And what cerebral palsy is, is, is a condition that affects one side of the body, affects motor skills, and it can be so severe it can cause paralyzation. And apparently, in my situation, uh, it was, was pro- uh, supposed to be more severe than it was. So the doctor went to my mom and said, uh, I have to tell you that I don't believe your son's going to be a- a- able to walk ever and that you need to get him used to being in a wheelchair. Well, thank goodness my mom didn't agree with the diagnosis and got a second, third, fifth uh, opinion. And finally, as she came up upon a specialist that examined me and said, you know what, I, I think I can-, I can work with this kid. So we started. I mean, every single day for the first 10 years of my life, it was in uh, physical therapy, working on the right side of my body. That's where it's affected, the right side of my body. And every day we work on it. And, and uh, I don't know what exact age it was, but I, I started to walk, which was, which was a great thing. But uh, obviously it wasn't the same way as most other kids. Held, held my right arm a little bit differently than other kids. So I remember going into sports as a, as a young boy, uh, soccer, and, you know, they had the time to say, hey, you know what, everybody run a lap. Well, I could barely run 50 yards. So it was, it was real embarrassing for me as a kid watching the other kids run laps when I could barely go 50 yards and having my, my mom tell the coach, hey, you know, he has cerebral palsy, blah, 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 blah. You know, he can't be like with the other kids. And that, that's tough as a kid. You want to fit in as much as you can as a kid. And, and not being able to do that was tough. So I got my second break. My first break, obviously, was, was being able to walk. But my second break was, uh, I, I believe it was seven or eight, I got surgery on my right foot to give me a little bit more mobility. And uh, I remember switching schools uh, uh, to another school. And I remember the first day of uh, 
uh, physical education, PE. And again, you know, the first day, you know, they, they tell you to run a lap. So you have to run a lap. And I'm like, oh, no, here we go again. All these kids are going to see that I can't run a lap. I can't even barely run 50 yards. But something miraculously happened this time. After my surgery, I was running, and I'm like, I'm keeping up with the kids. This is awesome. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Keep going, Paul. You're doing it. You're doing it. Finish the lap. And, you know, I, on the outside, I played it off like, oh, you know, like all the other kids. But on the inside, I was like, yes, 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 yes. Finally, I was able to just fit in with the, with the rest of the kids, and I didn't stand out. So that was another big break that, that happened with me. But, again, um, again I, I still walk with a little bit of a limp, and I still held my right arm a little differently. And, and kids can be pretty cruel. So, you know, a lot of teasing, a lot of bullying. And it got worse because uh, I switched to schools again in junior high. And in junior high, those kids are – that's like – I don't know. That's like the worst age. You know, we're trying to find themselves. So they're a, lot, they're a lot more brutal on you during that, that time. So I remember seventh and eighth grade especially. I would come home every day and I would cry in my room going, why, why me? Why me? Why me? And I don't know what happened, but sometime in, in eighth grade, uh, something snapped in my head. I'm like, I, I'm sick of this. I don't want to cry anymore. I don't want to feel this bad every single day. I mean, it's horrible. It's a horrible feeling. And I'm thinking to myself, well, what can I do? Why, how can I change this? And I thought to myself, well, uh, like you, Mark, I'm a big sports guy, and my favorite sport's baseball. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I want to set a goal for myself. I want to make my varsity baseball team. And I thought to myself, oh, you know what? People are going to tease me. People are going to say, oh, this guy can't make the varsity baseball team. He can't even make the JV team. And I'm like, I don't care. I'm just gonna. I, I'm gonna put my mindset forward. And I'm gonna go. I don't care what the other kids think. I'm gonna keep going and, and and have the school. So every day after school, I throw a tennis ball against the wall every single day. I would I would join uh, summer, winter, spring baseball, and and uh, kept going. And something uh, happened when I was doing this. When I was having this transition in my head of really going for this goal, the the uh, the mindset of the other kids instead of teasing me. All of a sudden, they started rooting for me. They saw that I had this goal, and I was really working hard for it. Their, their, their transformation with me, it was, it, was, it was night and day, and it was awesome. And, and, and I'm happy to tell you that I did make my, uh, my varsity baseball team as a, as a junior, matter of fact. And in my senior year, I, I was a pitcher, and I played a little bit of the outfield. I, I, there was a game where I pitched a, a three-hit shutout as a starter, wow. and I batted over 300. So uh, – I was able to uh, really contribute on my uh, varsity baseball team. Um, and then going forward after that, I just used this mindset in everything I did going to college. I, I'm in the West Coast, so I went to Cal State Fullerton, which is a big baseball school. I, you know, I, didn't, you know, I didn't make the team there, but I, I didn't care. I mean, I, 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 my goal was met, was making that uh, varsity baseball team. So I took that, got out of school, didn't really know what I wanted to do, so I got, kind of got into sales, mortgage sales. And, and, and really enjoyed it, re really thrived on it, was, was really good at it. Uh, but I've always still, you know, read the inspirational books, always loved the uh, underdog stories. And at, at some point, I was like, it wasn't fulfilling for me anymore. And I thought, well, what would be fulfilling? And I started reading books about coaches, motivational coaches. And I'm like, I want to do that. How do I do that? So I started taking classes on career coaching 
And then I thought to myself, well, I got to make some transitions financially because, you know, I'm making a lot of money now, but as a new coach, you know, you're not going to be making the big bucks right away. So I had to make some sacrifices financially and uh, made those sacrifices, um, definitely not making the money I did as a uh, mortgage banker, but I'm way more uh, fulfilled than what I'm doing now. Uh, this is my full-time job, and um, here I am, uh, call to action on uh, Mark My Words podcast. So that's kind of my, uh, you know, my, my story on where I got to in a nutshell there. Wow, that is really an incredible story. And not only from my perspective, does your story say something about you, it says something about the people that you were surrounded by. Because let's face it, it, it is hard for even adults sometimes to uh, adapt to something that's a little different. And the fact that they came around and started to see Paul Fortune for who he really was through everything you were achieving out there on the field, I think is really a credit to the people you were surrounded by. And I know uh, my story is certainly, I mean, I know that you certainly had your obstacles and your dark moments. I didn't have any moments of, I guess, crying. I mean, I there's always crying when you're a kid. I mean, I'm not going to say that I'm that much of a, you know, hard ass that I never cried over anything. But I think I definitely had much more of a shell and uh, you know, just got to a point where I just never showed that kind of emotion. I think fitting in for me was completely different. I don't, I almost don't feel like I ever found that like real comfortable zone where I felt like, you know, I wasn't getting picked on or anything like that. There was always somebody, I was always kind of like, out of the loop just remembering even back to like first grade everybody picking people for teams I don't even know what we were playing back then but just kind of being alone and you know just teachers weren't coming to bat for me and you know it, it was a real struggle for me and it sounds to me like because of those experiences and even though I think a lot of us don't really know what we want to do necessarily or have found that calling that really gives us a fire in our belly that we put ourselves out there kind of like we are now. But it sounds like that fire was stoked because of all those positive experiences and you wanted more of that. And I know from my experiences over the past decade or so, that is kind of how I built myself up. And uh, did you, one question that I want to ask is, did you have to ever really build yourself up personally, or were you able to build yourself up just through the positive reinforcement? 
Oh, I definitely had to build myself up personally. Um, you know, especially in that, those junior high days when I, when I set that goal for myself to become a varsity baseball player, um, you know, there was a lot of doubt, you know, and, and like I said, there was a lot of kids at that point in time that said, no way this kid's going to even step on the, on the field. So I had a lot of insecurities about that. And I just, like I said, I just started, uh, lack of a better word, I stopped caring on, you know, what, what other people were thinking, you know, you know what? screw them. You know what, if, if they don't like me or whatever, but I have this goal and if I don't make it, you know, I, you know, I, I can live with it as long as I give it my all. And that's what I did. I gave it my all like every single day after school. That's what I was doing. I was throwing a tennis ball. I was always throwing, hitting batting cage. My mom was awesome that way. I mean, she would drive me to the batting cage, you know, to practice, you know, cause I was playing all year round. So, I mean, there, uh, she was like, drive me around, I'm sure, different cities. It, you know, it was a lot, lot on her, but she knew what my goal was, and she's been very, very supportive. And without my mom in my life being a, a voice for me as an infant, um, you know, I'd be in a wheelchair right now. So I owe a lot to my mom for, for, for her support in all this. Oh, yeah. I was just going to ask, you know, your feelings on the role that your mom played and. uh I think you pretty much articulated that uh, for me. So thanks. <laughs> no problem. Um, <laughs> I'm reading your mind. <laughs> you're reading my mind. You know, you talked about your mom, and I don't talk a lot about my family at this point. That's a whole nother story for me. But uh, I do know that my mom played kind of a similar role just listening to your story. And uh, I know a lot of people didn't believe that I could speak publicly because of being born with cleft palate and lip. And I think I might talk about this story in the first episode where it's just me talking. But uh, if you haven't gotten to that episode, I'll just quickly uh, clarify. I was in Catholic school again kind of an outcast, kind of somebody nobody really wanted to talk to or give much of a chance. And I was going to speech therapy a few times a week. And there was, I guess, every week or whatever it was that we had our mass, they would give a certain class an opportunity to, I guess, run the mass, quote unquote, whatever that means to you in your head but uh, I, i'm from i'm from a catholic background so i know exactly what you're talking about yeah they would just basically let kids speak during the mass and participate i guess and there was something like a small thing i don't even remember what exactly it was but uh, there was a small thing that uh they wanted somebody to read and i think i I mean, I don't really even remember the story that well, but I think I may have wanted to participate and do it. And not only was my teacher hesitant, but, like, there were other people, like this one nun. She, I remember her specifically being against me speaking at Mass, and a couple Mm. parents expressed concern, and, you know, people were concerned that, they wouldn't be able to understand me 
but my mom stepped up and really went to bat, and I wound up by the end of it after practicing and everything else. And all everybody did was pat me on the back. I remember it being extremely positive, and it a lot of where I am today. I'm very grateful to my mom because she really, she would wake me up at five in the morning. If you remember those teaching stores where they have all those uh, teaching books and things like that that you can, I guess, teachers can buy, my mom would buy those books, wake me up five in the morning, and we would go over English and phonics and all kinds of stuff like my mom worked extremely hard to make sure that I had the best opportunity that I could to be successful and to be where I am today, basically. And I can totally relate to what you're talking about, your story and the role that your mom had. And uh, don't necessarily want to think about anything that's happened you know, away from that, but uh, definitely I owe my mom, like, a lot to where I'm at today, and, you know, it. do you do you feel like your mom was kind of, like, her involvement and encouragement, was that, like, a stepping stone to uh, just building yourself up more? Uh, before I answer that, I want to say kudos to your mom for, for having the courage to step up to the, to the nuns and, and everybody at, at, in the uh, clergy to have you speak because I think not only did uh, – I think they learned a lesson because you did a great job, and I think they thought to themselves, you know what, I need to give people a chance. So hopefully going forward after that, if somebody had, had this speech pentiment that you had going forward – they go, sure, we'll give him a chance to speak in Mass. Why not? Why not give him a shot or him or her a shot? So kudos to your mom for, for stepping up for you. And kudos to you for, for putting in the work to, uh, to do a great job reading in Mass. So I wanted to first, first, first say that. Uh, uh, second of all, the, the, your question about my mom. Yeah, I mean, uh, in a way, uh, she has been my uh, motivational coach or my uh, my life coach, uh, you know, there, there's been times in my life, you know, like everybody's life where, where you're down and, you know, and sometimes she'll send me a card that says, you know, just basically saying, Paul, you got this, keep going. And just the, those simple words, they mean more than just you got this, but the fact that she sent, a, she took the time to mail a letter to me to say that, I mean, so uh, yeah, I, I, she, I owe a lot to her on not giving up, having dreams. And, you know, like I've, I've talked to my mom for, for many years about wanting to do this. And she's always encouraged me to, to, to do it and to put myself in, in a place to do it, you know, not just go out and do it, but, but have a plan. You know what I mean? A lot of people, you know, if you just go out and just do it, you know, that, that could be all well and good, but it's, it's good to have a plan in place. So, so when you start your, your new journey, you have some sort of roadmap. Now, I know there's going to be plenty of roadblocks, and there's already have been uh, roadblocks in, in, in what I'm doing, especially with this pandemic. It's really not that great for business. But, uh, you know, you have to practice an a, a open mind, a growth mindset, and, and evaluate the problems at hand. And if, if there's, there's an obstacle, you know, just don't, you know, you get frustrated. You can get frustrated. That's fine. But take a breath. 
breathe, evaluate the situation, and find a way to get over it. Because there, if there's a will, there's a way. So, uh, yeah, I owe my mom a lot. Well, with you having obstacles along the way, and really throughout your whole life, uh, I feel like one way that we're probably similar as well is just the will to succeed and drive. Do you feel like you have kind of like, I mean, obviously you were an athlete and played baseball for a few years, and I'm sure that some of that drive came from that, but I know as somebody who, while sports has been a big part of my life, and I did play for quite a few years up to a certain point, I almost feel like I would have had a certain determination and drive to make it just because of all the naysayers I've had in my life. And I just want to know, what do you feel like you would have had this drive? Do you feel it even today where it's like, I got to keep hitting it, I got to succeed, I got to get my message out there? Well, yeah, no question. I think that, uh, you know, having cerebral palsy definitely was a, a, a disadvantage for me uh, for, for, most, for, for most of my life. But now you look back and you have perspective on it, and it, it's actually molded my life. And it's actually, uh, like you alluded to, it's given me the drive to move forward because things weren't very easy for me. And they still aren't to a certain degree, but um, not, not so much as more, more so as, as a child. Um, so yeah, I think by having this, this, this setback that I had, I had to work 10 times harder than any other kid because uh, all those other kids, they could walk, run, you know, you know, easy. But for me, it took, you know, years and years and years and years of practice to do that. So yeah, I would say that having this, this disability is actually now think that having this 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 setback is has actually now uh, been an advantage to me oh wow i i think i may have uh, lost you a little bit on your audio you were uh, kind of just i don't know said my connection was unstable but at least my uh, power did not go out okay well yeah, I said something profound too. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, but basically, <laughs> I, you know, I just, basically, I, I won't repeat the whole thing because it may, may not have gone out. But basically, I've now used my disability. I have cerebral palsy, and it's used me. It, I've, I've used it now to catapult me in, in success because of the fact that I had to work that much harder than other people did because of, of my of my uh, my disability. Oh yeah, I totally get that just the idea of you feel like you have to work harder and boy do I ever feel that still to this day every day I feel like nothing comes easy and one thing I want to get into is so you're a motivational coach and you're bringing your experience to this role and I just want to ask 
how exactly are you bringing this experience to your clients? How, in what way is your past helping everybody that you talk to today? Well, I think there's an empathy factor. You know, if I'm working with somebody that, that has a disadvantage or, or having a hard time, maybe physically, mentally, or just, just having a hard time with things, uh, I bring a, a sense of empathy to, to say, you know what, I, I get it. I understand. I know what you're going through. Uh, and, and so I can, I can give my experiences of what I did to help them in their way because they know that I'm coming from an authentic voice that I've been through it. So they're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Let's try that. Or that didn't work. So I'm a, a positive force in their, in their life. I I'm not somebody that's, you know, like I tell everybody, all my clients, you're going to be doing the heavy lifting, not me. But what I'm going to be there for is like when you, when you're in the weeds and things are so bad, you know, that you're like, Oh man, this is awful. This is awful. You know, you now your your session with me is tomorrow, and we can talk about it, and we can press the reset button. We can talk about the things that that are going good and the things that are going bad, and we concentrate on what's going good, and we focus in on that. So you know, until the next session you have, you can focus in on the positive things that are going forward, and 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 not uh, eliminate the negative things, but be aware of those negative things, and and try to focus in on what's going right rather than what's going. Um, wrong, wrong. So, you believe in uh, the glass is half full, not half empty approach? Yeah, I believe in positive, uh, positive thinking. Uh, you, you, I don't care what successful person you name a successful person, they have some sort of positive thinking. You, you know, Bill Gates, uh, Warren Buffett, uh, you know, even going to sports, Tom Brady, Michael Jordan. They had that mindset, that positive mindset to, to, to go forward that, you know, like, you know, yeah, they have setbacks. You know, it's, it's all about that fear of failure. A lot of people, um, you know, don't want to, you know, press the boundaries in their personal career life because they don't, they, they're scared of failing. And, and a lot of these people that are successful embrace failure. I mean, you talk, you know, uh, I, I know we were talking about the docuseries, Last Dance, and Michael Jordan said it in the, in the Last Dance, but he, I've heard him say this before. And they asked him, point blank, you know, uh, how are you able, you know, to have the guts to take that last shot over and over and over again? And his answer is, I'm not afraid to miss. So, I mean, he, you know, and he talks about it. I've missed the last shot way, way more times than I made it, but I'm not afraid of it. So if I'm not afraid of it, let's go. Let's 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 give it let's give it our all because a lot of people get frozen in that fear and don't want to take that shot because they're so scared of of that of that miss. But you know what? That's the only way you're going to grow is by failing, setting lofty goals for yourself. A lot of times it's not always about you know the the the, the accomplishing the goal. It's that journey that that you go through. I use this analogy a lot. You know, you look at it, you know, a child when they're building Legos, you know, and they, let's say they build something and they're, and they're proud of it. They probably show their mom and their dad. But I, I guarantee you the, the, the best time they had was not when they were showing their mom and dad was when they're actually building something in that journey. And that's what we got to we got to uh, embrace is being present. You know, the past is gone. The future's not guaranteed, but you're but you're guaranteed the present. So you want to make the most of it right now, living right now. And that is a very good 
mindset to have. And I I have to admit, that's something I still need to work on because for as much progress as I've made personally, I have to admit that I still, and I have like a 90-minute commute. That probably does not help. So it gives me a lot of time to think. But I have come a long way and definitely will at least say I understand that, yeah, you definitely cannot. In order to move forward, you have to at some point, even if you come back to the past later at some point where you're driving to work or whatever, the main part of your day, you have to remain mentally disciplined and focused on now because now is only going to happen now and uh, you can't get now back once now is over. And uh, Absolutely right. Absolutely right. We only have one life, so we might as well make the most of it, correct? Absolutely. And I mean, for me to get to where I'm at even now, I really had to, at the very least, work on myself to a point where I don't allow my present and future goals to be affected by dwelling on anything that's happened in the past. Like, even if you do dwell on the past, you have to put it aside in order to move forward and give yourself at least an opportunity to evolve. And, Absolutely. Uh, you can learn from the past. You know, you can learn about your mistakes. But, you know, don't, I mean, I've interviewed a lot of people in their 60s, 70s, and 80s, you know, at a research to, to become a coach. And then the, the number one thing they talk about is, is not what they did, but what they didn't do, their regrets. They wish they, they had an opportunity to start that business or they had an opportunity to ask out that girl or that boy or, 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 or travel to another country or whatever, but they didn't do it. And that's what they, that's what they talk about. They don't talk about, you know, playing it, playing it safe, not taking any risks. They talk about what they didn't do. So that's, that's very important. I totally agree. And uh, I think as we build up those kind of, misshot memories as we get older the the queue can get pretty large so it, especially if you've had a lot of struggles or misshots so to speak can get really easy to go down that rabbit hole and uh takes once you get into that mindset it takes a lot of work to train yourself out of it and i know you know this is going to sound really cheesy. I'm taking this from a movie, but work is hard. So. It, it, it definitely is. And it's, and it's, and every day you're a work in progress. Every day it's a work in progress for me. You know, I, I have negative thoughts. I am sad. I am angry, but that's okay. You can feel those feelings. You know, you know, I, I never want anybody to suppress their feelings. They're angry. They're angry. If they're sad, they're sad. That's fine. But how long do you want to be angry or sad? If you want, the, the trick is to be aware of it. Go, you know what? You know, I'm, I've been sad for a little bit now. I, I don't want to be sad anymore. Well, now that's when you start thinking about things that you should be grateful for. And it could be, uh, a, you know, if you have a good job, it could be you have a good job or a husband or a wife, kids or your health, whatever it is, you start focusing on what is going right in your life. And then you'll be surprised if you thought if you do that every morning, just think about things that, that are going well in your life. You'd be surprised how well your day will start. I mean, things happen in your day that, that will throw you off kilter. I'm not saying that, but 
if you have that mindset going forward when you're out the door to go to work, uh, you're going to be that much uh, better. And just for a record, the movie and character I was thinking of, Wayne's World 2, Handsome Dan, from Wayne and Garfield, <laughs> Handsome Dan. He says, well, work is hard. And you know, it's a stupid line, and it's supposed to be funny, but he's right. So I, it's kind of like American Pie, where the coach is like, well, you don't score until you score. And I knew where he was coming from, and obviously I know what they were going for in the movie, but there's a lot of truth to that, too. But I digress. I'm getting off track. <laughs> you know, Wayne's World, too. I, I haven't seen that movie in probably uh, 20 years. I mean, it was a good movie. I mean, I, I prefer Wayne's World 1, the first one. Yeah. The, you know, obviously the sequel's never as good as the first one, unless we're talking about The Godfathers, but that, I digress there. But uh, uh, Mike Myers, whatever happened to him? He was, you know, my job a year or two ago was to do quality control on uh, on-demand TV and movies. And he was the host of Match Game, but he wasn't Mike Myers. He dressed up in character. So that's like the last thing that I know of that he's done. That's that's kind of odd that he uh, uh, that he just well I mean I know that he likes to do characters I mean with the Austin Powers series he's always doing characters uh, I do I, I do I I take that back I do remember him in one movie and it reminded me of Wayne's World because he was in the Queen movie and they and that famous scene of uh, of Bohemian Rhapsody with him and his friends in the car oh, yeah. kind of brought that brought that movie back brought that song back that you know I think yeah. Wayne's World was in the nineties and. That, that song was popular in the 70s, but it brought it back to, I think, almost number one just because of that movie and that scene. So, And then it, it's kind of crazy that, that you know, 20 years after that or, you know, 20-plus years after that, he's in, a, he's in the Queen movie. So, uh, you know, I guess everything goes full circle. And now you got me thinking of the I'm in love with my car. That's something that kids can bang their heads to or whatever the line was. Yeah. I remember weird stuff like that. But one thing that I do remember from reading, I believe either on your site or on your LinkedIn, put this in my notes, wanted to ask you, what exactly does changing negative mindsets into positive mindsets mean to you? How do you do that? Because I thought that was a really interesting uh, wording. Uh, yeah, I kind of alluded to it a little bit, but basically what, what it is is a, a, couple, a couple things. One is, you know, you, you, you know, everybody has negative thoughts. I mean, we're all humans. We have negative thoughts. We think about negative things. But be aware of your negative thoughts. You know what I mean? If you have a negative thought, you know, change it. Change it. You know, don't, don't go down that rabbit hole. You know, you think this negative thought, and then this happens, this happens, this happens. Go, you know, when you start thinking of these negative thoughts, whoa, 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 wait, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's not, let's not go down this rabbit hole, and that, let's not worry about things that have not happened yet, and let's start to think, think about things that could go right in this situation. Start training your mind to go positive than negative, and, and, it, and it just starts with, you know, that negative thought and being aware, oh, no, I'm starting to think this negative way, or, you know, like, just say, like, you're in a job and you're doing a presentation 
and you start thinking these negative thoughts. Oh, what if I forget the words? What if I forget this? What, you know, and then you start going a rabbit hole and then people are going to laugh at me and, and they're not going to understand my message. And then you just go down, 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 down. But what if you thought, what if instead of saying that going after this presentation, you know, what if everybody gives me applause and, and shakes my hand and says, well, well done. And, and you know what? You did so well. Why, I, I want you to do next week's presentation. Why not think about what could go right as opposed to what could go wrong? Those are huge things. And then it also goes into uh, to that limited mindset that a lot of people have. Like, uh, you know, kind of, you know, like what you were talking about, like, you know, you know, you probably, you know, as a kid or something like that, you're talking about, I, you know, you know, maybe in the back of your mind, you thought about being in, in public speaking and stuff, but you thought, oh, maybe that's not for me. You know, you limited your, you limited your mind saying, you know, you put it out saying, I can't do that. And now you've changed your mindset. You think, you know what, why not me? Why can't I do it? I, I, I'm just as good as this other guy. Why can't I get up there and do it? And here you are doing a podcast. So it's, it's, it's changing your, your thinking on why not me? What, what, why am I not worthy of, of, of uh, you know, hosting a podcast or getting up and talking in front of people? You know, why not do it? You know, like don't worry about what other people think of you and limiting your mind. Expand. Try. What's the worst? You know, I always talk about this with, with a lot of my clients. What's, let's talk about the worst case scenario. And they talk about the worst case scenario. And I go, is it that bad? You think that's that bad? Well, then let's do it. Let's go for it. Let's come up with a plan to do that. So, so I hope that answered your question. It absolutely did. And I think for me, it was really like a lifelong process. I always wanted to, I think deep down inside, wanted to be out there in front and wanted to express myself that way, whether it was public speaking or Believe it or not, acting, I actually took an acting class in college where before every class was so nervous, I would go to the bathroom and, you know, I was just so nervous every single class. But it always turned out fine, and I always did a good job. Granted, it didn't necessarily push me to further put myself out there and I guess a lot of that had to do with not having enough of like a support system around me but it did plant a little seed in my mind of like okay maybe someday once I work on myself enough that I'm ready <coughs> Ooh, excuse me um, that I will remember that so that, along with just me continuing to just step by step, little by little, work, you know, just little victories along the way for me is what led me to where I'm at today. And a lot of bigger victories occurred over the past, like, six, seven years, and obviously a much better support system around me has helped with that. And just little by little, meeting more and more people that changed my mind. Maybe they didn't directly try to motivate or inspire me, but I took something away 
from those experiences. And as a result, like, it, it was up to me. It wasn't like anybody said, you're an incredible speaker or you're really great at this or that. But I took the positive feedback that I received and said, you know what? Maybe I can do these things that I want to do. And as a result, I kept, I've always been the kind of person to kind of push myself anyway. I've always, as I told you when we talked before, I'm kind of like a one-man gang, so to speak. So it's always, I've felt it's always been in my court to push myself and to motivate myself. And for me, that's how I wound up getting to where I'm at now. Absolutely. Um, and, and what what I was thinking about when you were talking about that, the six or seven years that you were talking about that you've really stretched yourself, you've put yourself in uncomfortable situations, correct? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you stretched yourself. And and I preach that a lot. Get comfortable with the, with being uncomfortable. That it, you will you will stretch yourself to places you've never been before. But if you stay in that comfort zone, you'll never grow. You gotta push push your box out and try different things because you never know. You try something new and it could be you know uh, a new career move. You could meet your soulmate or whatever it is. But you will never know if you don't if you stay in your little box. And 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 kudos to you. For, for realizing that and pushing yourself out of it. And, and obviously you're continuing to do that as I am as well. Uh, you know, keep learning, keep changing with, with, you know, with your new, with your new journey. Well, speaking of journeys, what's next for your journey? Cause you have the motivational coaching career. You just started a podcast and where do you see everything going for you from here? Well, um, thank you for asking me this question, by the way. Um, uh, my goal for myself now would be is I would love to do a uh, start with a TEDx talk uh, and, then, and then hopefully uh, make that be a TED talk. And then maybe one day, you know, People come and buy tickets to, to listen to me speak. That would be that would be my ultimate goal is somehow, some way, getting in an arena where people are paying money to hearing me talk. And I I even thought about my intro. You know, I, you know, I that that would be that would be my ultimate goal. So so my next my next venture and and, and I'm patient. And that's what I preach with 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 my clients too is patience i mean you know we're in a society especially with the internet and everything we, it's everything's instant 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 but sometimes it can't be instant so so these goals that i'm, I'm setting may take many many years and, and i have to have perspective of that that that, that, it, that it's just not going to be you know at my fingertips every second but but i read a a great book i don't know if you've ever uh read it mark it's called uh grit by Angela Duckworth. I have not read it. Okay, I highly recommend it. As a matter of fact, I show you here it's the book here. I just finished it. All right, fantastic. And uh, and uh, basically, the, the the book talks about uh, the persistence. You know that you know not that instant gratification, but like you know, like it's it's not going to be easy. You know, you can you kind of have to. Get up and grind, grind, grind. You, you see, you, you have the goal in, in, in mind. It's a lofty goal. 
and you can't just wake up one morning and just grab it. You have to continually chip away, chip away, and then and then on one day it'll 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 be there. But you can't just expect it to just fall in your lap. And and I realize that these goals that I've said are are, are quite lofty and can be frustrating. Uh, you know, not to hit you know time periods, but um, but it, it's definitely something that I've been thinking about and that I want to do. There are very few people that are able to succeed with things just falling on their lap. So that is something that I know people like us haven't necessarily gotten sucked into that because we've always had to work so hard. But uh, I think that's something that a lot of people don't understand, that they may see me doing this or doing other things. And it took a lot of work. It didn't just fall into my lap. Believe me, it really did not. So, yeah, yeah, it, it, everything, everything that it, it's worthwhile takes work. Um, and if you're setting goals that are that easy to, to, to hit, then maybe you need to reevaluate and set uh, higher goals to yourself. Somebody said this, I can't remember who, but um, uh, he, he was an inspirational speaker. I, I forget the name, but he said that his dad told him, he goes, I'm gonna be. Uh, I'm gonna be upset. Or I'm gonna be upset with you if you uh, set low goals and hit every one, as opposed to setting high goals and missing. I I'd much rather you set high goals and miss than set low goals and hit. And and uh, I really thought, think that, that that's powerful. That's really really powerful. And that goes back to what I'm talking about. It's the journey. That's what's. That's the most important thing. You know, it's the attempt to do something. It's the attempt to do it. That, that's the most gratifying thing or not. I mean, whether, whether I, I, I get the big stage or not, you know, if, if it doesn't happen for me, well, it, the worst thing that will happen is it doesn't happen for me. But, but what if it does happen for me? I, and I didn't set my goal high enough. You know, you know what I mean? So why not set these lofty goals and, and, and go for it? You know, because what's the harm in it? The, 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 uh, the only thing I see is, that if I don't set that goal, it will never happen for me. So I might as well try, right? I mean. And, you know, there's another coach out there. His name is Scott Stoltz. He was my first guest on this show. And one thing that he always calls me and emphasizes is that he doesn't want to be old sitting in a rocking chair and think back and say, boy, I should have done this or that or should have tried, you know, starting that coaching career or I should have done that podcast. And that rings true to me as well. And that's the whole reason that I'm doing something like this today. It all started with the blog and I left my job. I was given the buyout package a few years ago and realized that I hadn't really worked towards any of the things that I wanted to do when I was younger. It was like, man, you know, this is probably the time to stop chasing after corporate uh, dreams and trying to rise up the corporate ladder, which, you know, I'm obviously still open to if, uh, that were to happen in my current career, but uh, 
I, I, it just kind of woke me up to the fact that I need to start thinking about things that are more personal to me. And that's really where I think this part of the journey really started. I don't necessarily want to say the journey as a whole, because the journey's been going for my whole life. So, I mean, this has just been an ongoing journey of growing and evolving and trying to figure it all out. And uh, this is just a new phase, but I think it woke me up to, like, I need to up my game for myself because I don't want to have those regrets down the line. And uh, I don't know if that played into, I know you were in another career before you started coaching, and I know you kind of alluded to it, but was there just a point where you said, you know what, I have to do this now, now is the time, I have to make this transition? How, how did that unfold for you? Uh, very, very good question, because that's a very a poignant thing in my life. Um, for many, many years, I really, really enjoyed uh, being in the mortgage industry. Um, I've been in it, uh, you know, since 2005. And um, I hit, uh, you know, that, that big uh, depression that we hit in 2008 that really shook, shook the whole industry. And um, as a result of, of, of that, uh, that shaking of the industry, it really r- regulated my job, so to speak. And, 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 and for some things that were good, you know, because there was a lot of uh, bad people in, in my industry, you know, taking advantage of people and stuff like that. But that wasn't me. That wasn't how I, how I built my rapport. I built it by helping people. But my point in saying that is they put these rules in place that really hindered everybody. So, like, I, I would be on the phone and I have to say my mortgage license number. And it got so stressful, like, uh, you know, I'd have a phone call and they would ask me the rates and stuff like that. And, and I'd be like, oh, crap, I didn't say my mortgage license number. And, and oh, man, are, they, are was that a secret shopper? Am I going to get fired for doing that and this and that? So, so it, it, the, the job changed. It was, it was too much regulation. I really couldn't build the rapport that I was building before with people. It was more, it's more transactional. I started to feel um, more, you know, I hate to say it like this, but uh, I, I started to feel like almost like a used car salesman, you know, because people were, you know, just asking about the rates. And if I was the lowest rate, you know, go, 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 go down the road. Cause I'm not going to use you. And it used to be about, okay, you know, building rapport and, and getting you to, to in that house and, helping you step by step, but, but it, it, it kind of, ch- the whole thing kind of changed. And, um, I wanted to get into a career like we talked about that is just more inspiring. Yeah. Taking a pay cut, big time pay cut, but you know what? Sometimes it's not about the money and sometimes it's about your happiness and, and, and what you're doing. Um, and I feel like if, as long as I keep my head down and, and do the right things, the money will come. I don't know if it'll come at the same level it did before, but I feel like if I keep working hard, and 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 have my first focus on helping people being that my my first goal is helping people then then i i'll, I'll be fine um so so yeah so that's that, that's really why the transition and and you know as well as i do in that corporate world you know it doesn't always run that smoothly you have people in in these these levels that have never done your job before but telling you what to do and you're like 
that does not even make any sense. And you're like, you better do it or you're going to be fired. And it's like, you have no idea what you're doing. You know, so it, it just, it, it got to, it, it just got to the point. I'm, I'm going to be turning 40 soon. So maybe, you know, uh, maybe a midlife crisis type thing too. But um, I, I think that helping people and focusing on that is, is what I was meant to do. Well, just a note on the midlife crisis thing. So I'm 41 now. I started this part of my journey about four years ago. And I, for me personally, I don't feel like it's so much a midlife crisis. I think it's like I've basically evolved and have grown to a point where I feel like I have the wisdom and I feel comfortable with myself and ready to take on some of the challenges that I'm doing now. Because I thought about this stuff for years. There's no way I could have done this podcast 10 years ago as the person I was. And the person I was back then was fine. I'm not trying to go back and psycho you know, analyze or criticize who I might have been back then, but I was a different kind of me and definitely did not have the wisdom and confidence and I just didn't hit that point. So maybe what I'm telling you will make you think about that a little differently, but, uh, that's yeah, I, I, the, you, poor, uh, midlife crisis, that was a poor analogy. That was the first thing that came to my head. I, 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 if I could use different words, I would. I didn't mean that way, but yeah, I think it's more what you're, on the lines of what you're talking about is, is life, uh, life experiences that kind of start changing you. And uh, definitely that's been the case. I mean, this, obviously as a kid, it really you know, put the, you know, the foundation in. But you know, just as I've gotten older and, and talking with people, um, the life experiences. So yeah, you're right. The midlife crisis, that was a bad analogy. Um, so yeah. <laughs> hey, quite all right. I mean, Hey, I coughed into the mic already in this episode, which was way worse. So <laughs> it's okay. We all, we all have our, uh, I'll have our mistakes that we do cough in the mic. Oh, well, I, I think I've coughed in the mic many times in my podcast. So I apologize I to any of the viewers if, 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 uh, if I coughed. Yeah, no, I definitely apologize. I, I work really hard not to cough because I'm one of those people that once I talk a lot, sometimes my throat gets really dry, which is why I always have this water here. Now you make me want to drink. Now I'm going to drink my drink. <laughs> it's like the yawning thing. When somebody yeah. starts yawning, I start to yawn. <laughs> so... Yeah, I, that's the first cough I've had on this podcast so far. So that's pretty good. But uh, yeah, good job. Yeah, allergies are kind of uh, bad right now. So uh, I, I knew it was going to happen at some point. But yeah, absolutely. Anyway. So, yeah, I take uh, allergy medicine myself. You know, with the the cut grass, I, I run a lot. So sometimes when I run in the grass and I stop running, I'm like sneezing and coughing. So and I'm and I'm like, I promise it's not the I'm not the coronavirus. I, I'm fine. It's just allergies. So, um, but I, you know, I do my social distancing and such. So I, I'm not around too many people when I do it. But I just don't want you know. I feel 
uh, you know, I don't want people to feel uncomfortable uh, because I'm sneezing. It's it's because I I have allergies during this time of year. Well, that is super self-conscious of you. And uh, you're making me think about mowing my lawn, which I'm going to have to do real soon. The grass is uh, embarrassingly high here. Um, but this is all leading me to closing this out. This was a amazing conversation. I'm so glad that you messaged me and uh, volunteered to be on this podcast. And uh, I really appreciate it. You were an incredible guest. And I just want to now ask if you can uh, share how anybody can either reach you for your services or can just follow you on social media. How can we, how can we do that? Okay. Well, first, before I say that, I want to say that you are a tremendous host. You've made me feel gracious the whole time, made me feel comfortable. Um, I felt important throughout the whole uh, interview. So I thank you for that and I appreciate it. And um, I hope you a lot of success on Mark My Words podcast. I, I know it'll do well because of your heart. You have a kind heart. I can see that. So thank you so much for this opportunity. And with that being said, uh, the best way to get a hold of me is, is a couple ways. Uh, my website, a call to action.coach. You can hit me up on Facebook at a call to action. And if you like podcasts, uh, you can uh, listen to Actions and Limits, and you can hit it on any uh, podcast venue, and we're also on YouTube. So those are the ways to, to get a hold of me. All right, then. I appreciate all the kind words that you shared, because when I do this podcast, even though it's called Mark My Words, I really try to make it about the guests. It's not really about me, and... I've always been called like a good listener and maybe I don't talk or interject quite enough, but I, I just like to listen and I like to give everybody else the spotlight. And uh, I really appreciate the kind words and thank you for sharing your story and your social media. And thanks for being on Mark My Words. Thanks, Mark. I love the time. I'll talk to you soon. All right, everybody, and uh, I'll come back at you with another episode real soon. So thanks for tuning in.